Hello and welcome to the Lyman Wolf Podcast. I am your host, Raceland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nate. What is going on, bud? Uh, not much, really. Uh, getting through rough weather at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Up here in Missouri, we are getting hit with a ton of rough a ton of rough weather i feel like most of the midwest is going through some bad weather right now yes yeah it's it's not fun but that's not why we're here we're not weathermen we're here not to talk about the weather we're here to talk about our favorite movies from the 1990s we're both children of the 90s and we grew up on these movies i don't know about you at least i did yeah i I grew up on these movies along with... Well, I, I just grew up on movies, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. Multiple generations. Yeah. I grew up watching lots of 80s movies, and then when I got a little older, I started watching a bunch of 90s movies. So it was more like when I was like late 90s is when I started watching all these 90s movies. Whereas I was 50s to 90s, so... <laughs> You're an old soul, Nate. An old soul. Yep. But we're just going to jump right into the movies. Um... <clears throat> Nate, you said you got some honorable mentions? Yes, I have five honorable mentions. Five honorable mentions. And what makes these honorable mentions? Why did they not make the list? Uh, the reason they're honorable mentions is because they very well could be on the list. Um, they are pretty much equal to my top ten pick. Okay, okay. Uh, makes sense. I've got one honorable mention because I didn't want to have an entire list, so. Yeah. Uh... Well, I'm not going to go into them. Really, I'm just going to say their titles and the years. So, Okay. Do you want to start us off or you want me to? All right, I'll just do my quick honorable mention. The only one I got is the movie Point Break with Keanu Reeves in 1991. The reason this one's not on their top ten is because there's better movies and it's just like I have to mention it. It's a staple of the 90s. Okay. Uh, not going to lie, I don't think I've ever seen that. Actually. You've never seen Point Break? Yep. With Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Wow, dude, I highly that's a that's right up your alley. I think you'd really like that movie. Yeah. Uh I'm not sure why I never relaxed it. It's not like I avoided it or anything. It just We get it. You hate Keanu really Reeves. You hate Keanu. I, I hate I get it, man. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> uh so my top five are Pleasantville, which came out in nineteen ninety eight. I've never heard of that. Uh we'll get into that another time. Starship Troopers, 1997. Never saw that. Jumanji, 1995. Not a fan of that. Blast from the Past, 1999. <laughs> okay. And The Fifth Element, 1997. Wow. You picked five movies that I've either A, never heard of or seen, or t one I don't like. Yeah, uh, I feel like my list is going to be along those lines for you. Oh, great. We're going to have completely polar opposite of, <laughs> of picks, probably. It's possible. But I'm, I'm going to be picking really good movies, and you're going to be picking <coughs> garbage movies, right, Nate? Uh, that is objective. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, right. go ahead. What's your top ten? Oh, we, you want me 10? to start? Yeah, go ahead. You start. All right. We are going to start with my number ten. It came out in 1997, and it is the only Jackie Chan movie on my list. And okay. that is the movie Mr. Nice Guy. Okay. That's you, a great movie, actually. I was about to say, have you seen Mr. Nice Guy? Yeah, I've seen almost all of Jackie Chan's movies. Uh, me too. Me too. I actually plan on some, some way in the future 
We might do a podcast ranking our favorite Jackie Chan movies. If you're up for something like that. Yeah, we might do that. Yeah. But yeah, Mr. Nice Guy is pretty much one of my favorite Jackie Chan movies ever. Because I love the premise of the... uh, He's just a nice guy who gets caught up in the wrong stuff. Like, he's just like, hey, 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 I'm just trying to help my my friend out with my shop. And all of a sudden, these gang these gangs come in, and he's just like, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, what's happening? And yeah. then just gets caught up taking down an entire gang. <laughs> I think that was also like the first time I've seen a movie or in a movie where like someone got thrown into like a wood chip or some kind of machinery death on purpose. Oh, really? I think so. I could be wrong, but like that was the one that made me think about it like, now, that's the movie i always think of when i think of something like that i currently watched rewatched a ton of jackie chan movies mr nice guy is the one where he's a chef right it, yes i think yeah. so he's the he's he's a cook on like on a tv show and the whole thing is with the tape i'm pretty sure it's mr nice guy yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i thought okay i just watched rumble in the bronx and mr nice guy recently and it was like i get them blur i get those two movies blurred together sometimes yeah, uh, Mr. Nice Guy has a bit more chase scenes, I think. Yes, it has. I feel like Rumble in the Bronx has a lot of awesome fighting scenes, but I like the story of Mr. Nice Guy better. Yeah, because uh, I like I, the idea of him just getting caught up in something. I think it's the exact opposite for me. Um, I like the story more in Rumble in the Bronx and the action. Mr. Nice Guy just comes in second for me. You know what? I think I mixed him up when I when we started talking about Mr. Nice Guy. I did. Yeah. I mentioned how he was taking out a gang in a shop. That's Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, that's Rumble in the Bronx. I got him totally mixed up. So, yes, you're right. Again, I mixed <laughs> him up. Mr. Nice Guy is where he is a chef or a cook on a yes. TV show, and he gets caught up in a gang and in, in like a mob-style thing mm-hmm. with, the, with, the, with the tape. Yeah, okay. My bad. Listeners, c- comment how stupid I am because I mixed up the movies. That happens to the best of us, as <laughs> you show the worst of us. But yes, I, I overall picked Mr. Nice Guy because I like the idea of him just being caught up in the wrong moment, taking down bad guys. And then he drives that giant truck through his entire glass house, which, <laughs> why does that dude have an entire house made out of glass? What is with that? An artistic style of architecture. You are a crime lord. Who's trying to be discreet, yet you have an entire see-through house. That doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Uh, But a lot of times, villains in movies don't make sense. It's just like, dude. Especially Jackie Chan movies. And I I would love to see uh, a Gen Z, like a kid, try to watch this movie. And the whole premise is him getting this VHS tape. And he'd be like, what the hell is a VHS tape? (laughs) I think there is like a channel where like they make younger people, uh, younger audiences watch like older stuff just That's to get their funny. reactions. Yeah, I would love to see a kid try to react to a VHS and just be like, "What the hell is a VHS? How do you how do you turn this on?" <laughs> <laughs> would you say that Mister Nice Guy is one of your favorite Jackie Chan movies? Uh, actually, I would say it's probably in the lower like top really? twenty. Really. Yeah. Oh, that's actually really depressing. <laughs> oh, that's all right. We all have different opinions. Like I said, we might do a Jackie Chan list at some point. 
I know a lot. A few of our listeners are huge Jackie Chan fans, so you know, I think they'd appreciate that. But yeah, that is my number ten, Mister Nice Guy. Love Jackie Chan. Love all the fight scenes. Love the story. Love the premise of it. I know I mixed up the movies, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Makes it feel like this shouldn't be my number ten, is because it's like you don't even know the movie, man. Yeah. (laughs) Again, I recently watched this. Uh yeah so yeah I could agree with that 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 is a good pick okay uh pretty much any Jackie Chan though is yeah although like, there are a couple where like he's like plays a drama character instead of an actiony comedy character uh the foreigner is the one that comes to mind for that yeah and, and I tried to I watch that. that oh no I tried to watch that and I turned it off because it was boring him against uh like ex Irish revolutionaries. Nah, that's old man Jackie Chan when he started trying to be serious, and I didn't like that. I don't mind when they get serious every once in a while. But yeah, what is your number 10? Uh, so my number 10 came out in 1994. It is The Page Master. The Page? Uh, I've never even heard of this movie. It is rated G. It, <laughs> okay. Is, is it, it animated? Is, uh, huh? Is it animated? It is a hybrid, animated and live action. Um, so it starts off live, live action. The main character is Richard Tyler, played by Macaulay Culkin. Oh, hey, and, really, oh, I'm sorry, really fast. In case mm-hmm. you didn't realize with these movies, they're from the 90s, we are going to be going into spoilers. So just expect that. If you yes. haven't li- if you haven't seen these movies and you're interested, I highly recommend maybe turning it off, watching it, and coming back. But go ahead, Nate. Uh, so Macaulay Culkin plays the main character, Richard Tyler. Um, and if I remember correctly, uh, it has been quite a few years since I've watched it. The, his family had just recently moved to a new location, so he doesn't really have any friends at the point, at this point. And the reason why this movie was so big for me, especially when I was younger, is because I love reading, uh, it is one of my favorite pastimes. I love delving into uh, new worlds, meeting new characters, all kinds of stuff. And this movie is that. Uh, since he doesn't have too many friends, he reads books. He comes across a library with uh, a librarian named Mr. Dewey. And a nice little play on the Dewey Decimal System kind of thing. And who's played by Christopher Lloyd, actually. Huh. And you, uh, we, you may recognize Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, who, I know who Christopher Lloyd is. <laughs> yeah. So Christopher Lloyd acts kind of all mysterious in the movie and is like, "Well, here's, let me get you a library card so you can check out some books because if you're having trouble making friends, these will be your friends." And so that's he does that. He gives him a library book. Uh, Richard then travels the library looking for books, and ends up getting sucked into a like world of literature. Oh, um, there's the connection to the hybrid. Yes, um, he becomes a cartoon character and a version of himself, and meets three books that become his allies throughout the movie. Fantasy, who is played by Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. <laughs> Adventure, 
which is played by Patrick Stewart. And now you said these are like voice acting, right? These are yes, the, okay. this is voice acting. Okay. So the funny thing about this is that the books are named after their genres and are their looks are based after their genres. So fantasy is like a purplish book with little fairy wings on the covers and wielding a wand and has a little tutu on. Adventure is just a brown book with uh, that looks like a pirate, has an eye patch, a bandana draped across its binding, uh, a peg leg, and a hook and a sword. Um, and then you've got Horror, which is play- who is played by Frank Welker. I'm not too sure who that is, actually. I don't recognize the ca- person, but Horror was such like the opposite of his character because fantasy leans into being a fantasy character. Adventure leans into being an adventure character. Makes sense. Horror leans into being the scaredy cat of horror. How does that uh, make instead sense? Of, <laughs> instead of being like the scary character, it is the character that is just absolutely terrified of everything. Uh, that doesn't really connect. Like It should be like the other two. <laughs> Well, I kind of, I think it, so, I think it kind of connects because horror is, like, mentally a child in uh, the representation, is mentally a child. And it is, like, every horror story, yes, every horror story has a uh, scary character, but they can't have a scary character if they don't have a character that is afraid of that scary character. So I feel like horror is just the victim of the horror books. Okay, I can Uh, see that. And then we've got the father, Alan Tyler, and the mother, Claire Tyler, who are played by Ed Begley Jr. and Mel Harris. And uh, this is actually something I didn't realize until I did research on this. There is a character, Dr. Jekyll. He meets uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in this. And I did not realize that Dr. Jekyll was voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Oh, uh, the guy from Star Trek, right? Yes. Spock? Uh, yes, that that is awesome, in my opinion. Did, I didn't did realize it when I watched it because I didn't really know who Leonard Nimoy was when I was a kid. But uh, that is, I just thought that was a nice little tidbit. Didn't Leonard Nimoy die recently? Uh, it's been a few years, but yes, he has done. Okay, I thought so. Um, but yeah, the movie is only an hour and 20 minutes long. Highly recommend it, especially... Uh, to kids? <laughs> yeah, like especially for families. If, you're, if you want to get your kid into reading or um, show, just have a good time with your family, highly recommend this film. Okay. Well, that's a good recommendation, Nate. So, uh, what is your number nine? My number nine. My number nine, I kind of lumped these two movies together because it's a movie and it's sequel. And, I, you know, they're both pretty equal in my books. And that is, the first one came out in 1994 and the sequel came out in 1995. Ace Ventura, When Pet Detective and When Nature Calls. Both movies, I'm lumping them together. Okay, fair, fair. Ace Ventura, in my opinion, is some of, is one of the best Jim Carrey movies out there. I could agree with that. It's definitely in my top ten. It's definitely in my top ten, for and sure. I, it's probably I in my agree. top five. 
I do agree with combining the two because yeah, they're basically they're, they're the same movie, just different location, <laughs> like yeah, the same thing. Setting. I will say, Nature Calls. He is more wacky. They like really leaned into the wackiness of Jim Carrey. Yeah, and the first one, uh, he I feel like he gave off more of a vibe of like being a just an insane detective. Yeah, he was just, actually being a detective. Like the first one. So if you haven't seen the movies, the first movie, Pet Detective, is all about Jim Carrey's character. What well, what is his name? Is Ace Ventura, right? Yes, Ace yeah. Ventura, Pet Detective, yeah. and then Ace Ventura when nature calls. Yeah, so Ace Ventura, his whole thing is that he wants to. He cares. He mainly just cares about animals. He wants to save animals, so he always Wait. takes cases that involve animals. Yes. And the whole thing is that he has to go find the missing dolphin from the. I want to say what is it? The Florida Dolphins? Is that? Yes, Florida. Uh, the the Florida, mascot. Florida, I am, Florida Dolphins. Yeah, I'm not a sports guy. I just knew it was a football team. I was like, it's one of those. Uh, it's one of those ocean Miami, teams. I believe the like actual city is Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that's right. That sounds right. So yes, he. The whole thing is the mascot of the Miami Dolphins has gone missing, and he has to go figure out who kidnapped the dolphin. And that's yeah. the whole premise of the movie. <laughs> that's basically it. And there's like a bunch of stuff happens and a bunch of crazy crazy jim carrey antics happen and i just i'm i'm here for it i love those types of movies where the main character is just so crazy it doesn't make any sense yeah he is like a detective savant um he does genuinely like help solve murder cases in that movie and yeah it's just, it is a really good movie i will say pet detective is also probably one of the first movies i watched that i actually recognized a like dirty moment like an adult moment in the movie uh be that i think that's yeah it is so there's a scene where he gets this woman's dog and as repayment she uh she pays him with herself oh that's right i forgot about that scene yeah um i think that was when that was the first moment i was like oh i get this like i didn't my cousins didn't have to explain to me or anything i was just like <laughs> no yep i understand what's going on here and then and in, in when nature calls it's all wh where what country is he in like is he just in like uh, guatemala i believe he's in south africa south africa okay so yeah he the whole thing is that there's like tribe has like a bat like a white a rare white bat and it's gone missing because somebody kidnapped it or something yeah it is so, their sacred yeah their animal. sacred their sacred animal yeah and he he has to go f figure out who did it turns out though the only animal that he doesn't like and is terrified of are bats and it's hilarious and there is a scene in that movie with a rhino oh my god that scene is so damn funny. That's probably my favorite scene out of all the, both of these movies. Uh, so it is a fictional African country of Nibia. Oh, I didn't know it was a fictional country. Interesting. What but it I, is, it's in Africa, but yeah. yeah. So out of the two movies, which one do you like better? Uh, Pet Detective. Oh, see, I'm a nature, when nature calls guy. Uh, mainly because, like I said, I like 
the fact that he is he shows his chops as a detective and just runs circles around the actual detectives. Uh, see, I'm Easily. here for I'm here for the crazy antics of when nature calls because I do one of the scenes where he this guy like this rich bald guy and he's like just telling oh, him the how dude. <laughs> yes, and he punches him and knocks him out and he's like I have the monopoly bad do not let's go do not collect two hundred dollars. For context, he the monopoly man and his date are walking around the party. The date has a fox <laughs> draped around her shoulders. Uh, a dead fox. <laughs> they make fun of him for like caring about the animal and everything. He's like, "Oh no, I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm thinking of getting my own." And then, and then <laughs> knocks out the monopoly guy and drapes him <laughs> over his shoulder and be like, "That's when he starts mocking him, like, dude, I've asked go, uh, dude, I've asked go, dude, I I love yeah. that movie. I love both movies. Don't get me wrong, they're both great. <laughs> but the second I, one is so funny, man. I think the thing that made me like the like the uh, or one of the reasons why the second one didn't hit quite as hard for me was uh the him losing the raccoon and then going into reclusion aspect oh yeah i totally forgot he goes he goes into like a a monk sanctuary and finds himself <laughs> yes yeah, because he couldn't save a raccoon i don't know uh, i think i've seen when nature calls way more than i've seen the first one like also i am not a fan of the rhino scene i that's my favorite scene out of the movies the the rhino birthing scene is just, like it is funny oh it's but so it's funny also just weird it's hilarious i'm I, you know me man i'm all for the weird yeah no it like i said it is a great movie i do love them both it just pet detective goes up a little higher for me in that regard Oh, Nate, before we move on, I meant, I meant to bring this up at the beginning of the podcast, and I totally forgot to my notes here. On my personal list, I'm not adding, you even just mentioned, uh, what's his name, um, from Back to the Future. Uh, Christopher Lloyd? Yeah, you just mentioned him, so I meant to transition into this, but I'm not adding Back to the Future, Back to the Future 3 on my list, because we literally just talked about how that's my favorite trilogy on the 80s list. So that's okay. not going to make my yeah. list. Because uh, Back to Future 3 came out in 1990. Yeah. And you obviously that would be my number one. But I didn't want that. I felt like that was a cop-out answer. So I didn't even put it on the list. Well, for future references, everybody, I'm all for cop-outs. Uh, <laughs> but, but understandable. Yeah, because like I said, Back to the Future is my favorite trilogy movie series of all time. So I was like, yeah. I didn't want to put that on there. So that is my number nine is Ace Ventura. Go ahead, Nate. What's yours? Uh, so my number nine pick came out in 1994. Uh, it is The Crow. Oh, another movie I've never seen. It is rated R, and it is an hour and 42 minutes long. Is this the movie the where the crows are attacking the woman inside a phone booth? No, that is Birds. Dang. I just knew uh, that was a famous scene from a from an old bird movie. I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, and that was way, way later. That was like I want to say seventies or sixties. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wrong. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I, I feel like it was a lot older than The Crow. Okay, so um, tell me about The Crow. So The Crow is about a man who his name is Eric, played by Brandon Lee, the son of Bruce Lee. Um, like the actor is Eric Lee. 
Yes, the ag- okay. The actor is Brandon Lee, and the character is Eric. Gotcha. Uh, so Eric is brutally murdered on, I believe, Halloween. Damn. Uh, with his wife or fiance. I don't. I don't. They were deeply in love. I don't know if they were married yet. Please tell me his character didn't die getting shot on a set of a movie. The actor did, yes. Wait, really? I thought that Bruce. That's how Bruce Lee died, right? No, Bruce Lee died, uh, like from complications of medication, like ap- aspirin or something. Oh, like that. Well, that was the whole joke because I thought Bruce Lee died, but the shooting on the set, and that's why I said I hope he didn't die. I messed that nope. all up. So his son Brandon Lee passed who, away, uh, being shot on set. So that's the character and the, the the actor who plays this. Oh, okay. Char- so. Yes, gotcha. Okay, Uh, I'm making this way more complicated. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nate. About halfway through the movie, he is shot. uh, And then in order, they didn't want to uh, replace him completely or do full CGI. So they brought in his stunt doubles to do like body shots and everything. And then tried to just kind of over implant his face on their bodies. Basically, Wait a minute. So this is the movie he died on? Yes, this is the movie that Brian Lee... Oh, I had no idea. Really? Oh, wow. Uh, It was a tragic moment. I'm surprised. With everything that's just happened with that movie, was it The Rust or whatever? uh, What's that guy's name? Alec Baldwin? Like, that whole movie, that whole situation just happened. I'm surprised that The Crow even came out after Uh, a a death on set like that. The Crow is actually the movie that kind of... The Mo- Crow happened a long time ago. I know. It came um, out in the 90s, obviously. Yes. It kind of, like, it helped build up safety measures on movies because of that. Yeah, but my whole point is that if the main character of your movie gets shot from an accident on set, I'm surprised the movie even came out. That's what I was getting at. Oh, no. So the director... uh even had the blessing of Brandon Lee's wife. Um, oh, that to, makes things better. And, to continue doing the movie because Brandon Lee wanted the movie done. Um, yeah, it was it was just a it was a horrible tragedy, and the, the majority of the movie was done already. That's why they were able to just okay. use the stunt doubles to finish it. All right, so get into the movie. So Eric is killed on Halloween with his wife uh, or girlfriend Shelley, and comes back to life with the help of a crow uh in this crows are kind of spiritual beings they are the crow the bird but they bring back the dead for vengeance this sounds like some norse mythology stuff uh it's more like native american i believe okay um because crows are supposed to be the like uh ferrymen to the afterlife Oh, see, in Norse mythology, they are the, like the symbol of death. Yeah, they are. They help souls pass on, and in this one, they he helps the soul returns to get vengeance. Okay, makes uh, sense. So throughout the whole movie is basically Eric, now known as the Crow, um, hunting down his and his girlfriend's killers, uh, forcing them using his powers to like experience the pain and everything. Uh, and it, it's a 
really good movie. I highly recommend it. Um, you have Rochelle Davis, who plays Sarah, this little girl who uh, was a big friend of Shelly and Eric's when they were alive. And then she kind of is the sidekick of the crow. Um, you've got Ernie Hudson, who plays a detective. Ernie Hudson, I know that name. Uh, he's from Ghostbusters. That's what he is. He's the black guy in the Ghostbusters movies. I yes. know who that is. Uh, he plays the detective that is basically covering all of the... He covered uh, Eric and Shelley's murder. And then when Eric returns and is killing everybody, he's the detective that is getting all of their death cases as well. Uh, then you've got Shelley, who's played by Sophia Shinas. Uh, Michael Wincott, who plays Top Dollar. Bai Ling, who plays Micah. David Patrick Kelly, who plays T-Bird. Angel David, who plays Skank. Uh, Lawrence Mason, who plays Tintin. Michael Massey, who played Fun Boy. And Tony, Tony Todd, who played Grange. Uh... Michael Massey actually retired from acting after this movie for a while because he's the one who pulled the trigger and killed Brandon Lee. That totally makes sense. <laughs> uh, Going through some trauma like that makes total sense. Yeah, him and Brandon Lee were friends, and so the fact that he accidentally killed his friend really weighs on him to this day, he says. Uh, but yeah, highly recommend this movie. They did make sequels. The sequel after this one, I would recommend. I think it's called The Crow City of Angels. But the rest of them, while I still recommend if you're a fan of The Crow, you can miss them. They're not great. Oh, uh, no. And I believe I heard rumors that they're trying to get another Crow movie going, but with Jason Momoa. Oh, uh, really? That's weird. Um... Which I would be okay with, but also, the the way The Crow looks, if they do this, this is going to piss me off. Because The Crow is white paint all over their face with mime black markings on their eyes, which is just fucking Lobo. So if they made Jason <laughs> Momoa The Crow... I like. I would at least hope that this paves the way for him becoming Lobo. No, uh, that's the only version of Lobo Jason Momoa you're getting, Nate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, highly recommend this movie. Uh, it is a great watch, uh, especially if you are a fan of the anti-hero kind of style. Which I am. Um. I mean, look how much also, I love. Look how much I love Venom. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Also, would highly recommend the uh, comics if you. Oh, the comics! Them. I didn't even know that. Yes, this was based. The Crow is based off of a very, very edgelord comic. Oh, so very, very, you know, edgy teen type of thing, emo. Yeah, very 90s emo. Oh, great. <laughs> um, yeah. The. Just another little tidbit is that the director originally wanted to film the movie black and white, like the comics, um, and just show, like, the flashbacks in color. Because he thought it would be a really good contrast and everything. And I personally do agree that it would have been. But the executives wouldn't let him. So what he did was basically just make everything as dark as he possibly could. To kind of make up for the black and white aesthetic he was wanting to go for. <laughs> and he still does an amazing job. Like, this is just a great movie. Huh. No, I've so never seen it. 
highly recommend you watch it. This so that is my number nine. Okay. I guess we move on to my number eight, and my number eight is a movie I know that we both like. Came out in 1997, and that is the movie okay. Men in Black. Okay, yeah. It is this back in the day when Will Smith didn't slap people all the time. This is when he was killing aliens. Yeah, he was slapping aliens. <laughs> slapping, slapping them aliens out. <laughs> yeah. But no, this was, this was the movie that got me like really into Will Smith. Like, he okay. had done, you know, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and I really liked that show. But I, I always considered Will Smith. He's a TV actor because I only knew him from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Then Men in Black came out, and I was like, "Whoa, this guy could do big movies." What? And it got me to fall in love with Will Smith as a as an actor. Understandable. Yeah, this was the original Alien movie that I loved growing up. Like when I think of old school '90s aliens, like obviously there's alien movies from like the '70s and stuff, but I'm talking about like when I was a kid. This is 1997. I was like six years old, and this was one of my first Alien movies I ever saw. Okay, uh, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. It might be my first uh, movie that he did too. Yeah, it's a good Dude. freaking movie, man. I'm trying to think if there were any other movies before that. <laughs> oh, never mind. Independence Day. Oh, that's right. Independence Day. When did that come out? Ninety one. Uh, 96. 96. Oh, a year before. Oh, a year before, yeah. <laughs> so that that and uh, though he did the movie Bad Boys in 95, I didn't watch Bad Boys until a little bit later. So I'm Same. Not, so I didn't know that. But yeah, I would say Independence Day was the movie that I watched. I was like, okay, I like Will Smith as a movie actor as well because like you, I mainly knew him from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right, because I think was it Independence Day like one of his first movies? Uh, let's see here. No, there's, there's, he's done quite a few actually. Oh. Uh, well, let's talk about Men in Black. Let's talk about Men in Black. Yeah. So go, Men, go in, to Men in Black. Men in Black. I love the the whole concept of the whole aliens have been here this whole time, hiding in plain sight. I love that whole idea. The whole like, the government. The, it, it really this movie really ramped up conspiracy theorists. Like whoa. The government's just flashing us with these red lights and making us forget things so they can cover up the tracks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say that Men in Black probably is what ramped up my interest in, like, secret organizations. Same. Uh, same. Be like, oh, yeah, there's that'd be so cool to be a member of the secret organization and no one knows my name and stuff like that. Yeah, as a kid, you don't think of things like that. Like, like you just think the world's all, you know, black and white you're a kid and then i saw this movie and i'm like maybe there is like somebody covering something up you know it's what it's what movie got me thinking like maybe maybe the world out there is not what we think it is (laughs) yeah and and i also love tommy lee jones tommy lee jones in this movie was hilarious yes uh usually if tommy lee jones gets the opportunity to play the grumpy older character yes uh he always does a fantastic job uh, he is hilarious in that type of role i don't um, know why it comes to my mind what's that movie that tommy lee jones plays in where he has to like protect these like high school cheerleaders 
from like um, a killer. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Man of the House. Yeah, that movie's hilarious. Anyways, Men in Black. <laughs> oh no, you said grumpy old man, and it just made me think of that movie for some reason. But yeah, I love this movie. I think Will Smith does a great job. I like all the sequels too. I think Men in Black Two is awesome. Men in Black Three is okay. It's not the greatest. I never uh, did, did see ever, the International. I never saw International. Did you ever watch the uh, show? No. Oh, I did like a couple episodes here and there as a kid, but I don't remember it at all. Man, I I loved that show. The only thing I had a problem with this show is that I think it came out before Men in Black Two did. So <laughs> he retconned it, everything. <laughs> yeah, it made absolutely no sense because in the show he's working with K. Uh, and like, it, but it was just a really fun show. So as a, I think this was before I started becoming like a lore, uh, person who like lore was head. so fe- <laughs> so focused on lore. Like, um, why is K in this? He shouldn't be in this. Instead, I was able to enjoy it because I was just like, yay, K's back. <laughs> What is, who's your favorite character in the movie? In the movie, Zed. Zed, like the the director. Yeah, he's hilarious. why. Why he's Zed? Just, he's just so hilarious in the movies, in all of them. Uh, is he, he in the third one? I don't. No, I think he dies in the third one. Actually, like they mention he is dead in the third one. Yeah, because the actor died. Yeah. Uh, I just don't remember when. Yeah. So they replace. Zed with a new director. Um and then uh let's see here. Well I think the new director is actually the supposed to be the like younger love interest of K when he was younger. If I remember correctly. I don't remember. But in the first movie, one of my favorite characters, I don't know if this is my favorite, but one of mine is the dog. I love I love the dog. He's so funny. Uh, Frank. Frank, yeah, I love Frank. He's so damn funny in that movie. Frank the Pug. Uh, that's... So, did you watch the episode in Men in Black where they show Frank's true form? No. It's a pug. Is it really? That's so funny. His his true form is just a green pug with antennas. That's so funny. But yeah, I, I, love, I love Men in Black. I love the concept, the whole... Especially the first movie, like, the whole concept of you know the the few the the universe or was it the, the galaxies on Orion's belt, and yeah. they're like, and what then, the hell are they talking about? <laughs> I liked how they kept ramping that up because, like, in the second one, it's not just like galaxies. We like we've already been shown an example that a galaxy can be so small that it's on a cat's leash in the first one. Collar, uh, yeah, collar. Um. And then in the second one, it's like, oh, you thought that, like, yeah, we're not the big galaxy. We're just a little small galaxy inside a locker. Is that the first one? Which one, which one ends? That's the second one. Which one ends with the aliens playing marbles with entire universes? That's the first one. Yeah, I love that concept. Yeah, that is the outro for the first one that movie oh man that movie's so good but yeah that's my number eight is the movie men in black okay that, that's a good pick i uh i completely understand why i feel like and... most of my picks are going to be things you think are awesome movies 
yeah, they they are very Men in Black is definitely a good one. Like like I said, it is what made like got me into mysterious organizations and stuff. I think most of my movies are things you're going to expect, except for maybe my next pick. Yeah. Uh so I guess that's up to my number eight then. Yep. Uh so my number eight came out in nineteen ninety three. Okay. It is the Groundhog Day. Uh oh. I got uh, ground- uh, the, uh well I'm not gonna have a number four anymore. <laughs> ah, you you can still do I'll go into more technical <laughs> stuff about Groundhog Day. Like it's rated PG and it is an hour and forty one minutes long. I knew that we would have a crossover at some point on our list. <laughs> yes, I, I genuinely am kind of surprised that we had at least one, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah, um, Groundhog Day is my number four. I really I actually just watched that movie again for like the, you know, tenth time or whatever, like two weeks ago. Okay. Uh so the cast is Bill Murray who plays Phil. Andy McDowell, who plays Rita, Chris Elliott, who plays Larry, and Brian Doyle Murray, who is Bill Murray's brother. I didn't know that. Uh, Yes. Bill Murray's brother plays Buster, who is the mayor of the town. Really? Oh, I know that guy, too. Like, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He's in a lot of stuff, especially with Bill Murray. Uh, I never realized that was his brother. He's, He's the guy who talks like this, right? Like, like uh, the really, like the really, like raspy voice. Kind of. I think yours is a little bit more exaggerated, but yeah, I think so. Mm, if okay. You're, he's he has like, like a thin in the mustache. Movie, he, in the movie, he's kind of you know, short and stocky. Yeah, he's the one who chokes on the food and he saves him. Yeah, yeah, it's the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll I won't go into too much detail. Then I'll just do. You can go into at- detail. It don't matter. Well, that's fine. I like I said, I gave the date, the rating, the time it has, and the cast. You can give go into the story when we get to you. No, just just do just do it now, man. <sighs> fine. So this- the movie Groundhog Day is the movie that got me into time loops. Uh, Makes sense. It's the original time loop movie. Yeah, it is the movie that I am. If there is a time loop movie, I'm going to watch it because I absolutely love the premise of a time loop. Um. I have seen a lot of them. Some of them have not been good. Uh, but because of the theme, I really enjoyed them. Uh, the one that comes to mind is that movie Naked that's on Netflix. Yeah. I love yeah, that movie. I love that is, movie. I don't care what you say. That movie's great. That movie's... No, I liked it. It was okay. It's not the greatest, but it is good. I, um, I would put that almost to Groundhog Day. No, not even close. But <laughs> to each their own. I, lo- uh, I don't know. I-, I love those type of stupid movies. Groundhog Day is very close to a perfect story of how a time loop would go. Because we never truly know how long Bill or Phil, not Bill, I was looking at Bill Murray, uh, how Phil, how long he's in the time loop. Well, we I'm never- pretty sure. Oh, sorry, I got we're, ne- we're never for certain how many uh, loops he has done. Just that he has done so many that he can memorize very specific details about almost everybody in the town. I'm pretty sure uh, the director came out and said that he ended up spending like somewhere roughly around like 35 years or something like that. 
Oh, really? That is a lot shorter than I thought it would be. No, the, I think I think I read somewhere that the, the the creator of the movie came out and said it was like something like 30 to 40 years. Yeah. Oh, okay. If that is true... Well, think about it, Nate. Relive the same day for 30 years straight. You're going to memorize everything, too. Mm. I don't know. Like, so... Either way... Yes, he... I guess you're right in that regard, but also, I don't know. I feel like you'd have to live that day a lot longer in order to memorize everything off the top of your head. Um, but it, either way, that's neither here nor there. It is a, still a great movie. Uh, the like Seeing the character development uh, for Phil is truly... Like, great. Because at the start of the movie, he's an asshole. Uh, a grade-A asshole that just cares about himself. Uh, doesn't even really want to be there. Any of that. And then by the end of the film, he genuinely does care about people other than himself. He genuinely, like, just has almost completely lost hope for continuation. Yeah, of he life. tried to kill himself a million times. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, that I feel like that was not him losing hope of continuation. Him losing hope of continuation is literally when he starts just going into full detail and explaining to Rita everything. Uh, because at that point, there's there is no uh, need to worry about people thinking you're crazy. There's no need to worry about hiding that you are practically a knowledge god at this point of the town uh with him killing himself that was desperation for hope because he's trying to do everything in his power to get out of the loop uh whereas by the end of the movie he's like yeah no i'm i'm stuck in this loop there is there's nothing ever going to change again uh, it's actually Rita that has the hope and is going through the process of the hope and like, oh, you'll get out and everything. Um, I have a question, so, Nate. What's up? So imagine you are just an innocent person, innocent <clears throat> bystander, just going through your normal life. And you see a guy who, because at one point in the movie, he gets to the point where he knows where everything's going to happen. He's going to be like, tray falling, guy dropping a dish. They're going to start clapping. There's that guy that he know. He's from this town. Imagine you just go into like a diner and you just see this guy also just like, he's about to drop everything. Oh, that's that's uh, that's Jerry. Jerry's about to uh, knock over all those dishes. Like you see this guy just predicting everything. What What's your thought when that happens? Time loop. You immediately think time loop. Yes. Uh, if I see someone that's doing that and predicting everything, I'll either. My first thought will be either staged, like everybody's in on it. Kind like, of like this a, is for like, like a YouTube video. Yeah, like a show or something. Uh, but then second thought is definitely going to be time loop. I'm a very naive person in that regard. <laughs> uh, I don't think any rational person just immediately be like time loop. That's it. That's what it yeah, is. No, <laughs> it is. It is purely wish fulfillment. I'm like. Please be time loop, please. You just like go up to this random guy and you put your hand on his shoulder like, we'll get you out of this, I swear. It's like, who are oh, you? Oh no, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I'd be like, bro, do you know how you got in the time loop? 
What if he looks at you and he goes, wait, you're new. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, no, that would be crazy. Uh, because that means you're the anomaly in the time loop. Right. <laughs> and like on one hand, the anomaly in the time loop can go one of two ways, mostly. Uh, either Nate, Nate, real quick, if that happens and you are the anomaly, prepare to become a you know a side character in this dude's adventure. You are going to have to have a lot of interactions with this guy now. Well, uh, so <laughs> the anomaly goes one of two ways: either the anomaly breaks the person out of the time loop, or the anomaly gets sucked into the time loop. Nah. I would want, I would want the second one. Uh, you would want to get I, sucked into the time loop. Yes, I Why? That sounds miserable. <laughs> because I am a I have learned throughout my life that I am a very boring person. You are a very boring person, but that's what I love uh, about you, Nate. That's what I love. And I'm a very grindy person. Yeah. When it comes to pretty <laughs> much anything, I have no problem repeating the same task over and over and over and over again. Not the complete to, opposite. That sounds horrible. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I need to do this. Okay. I will do that until like there are games that I have hundreds of hours in doing the same damn thing. That sounds like, miserable. That's why I can't that, play like so, like farming simulator games like like Animal Crossing and stuff. I can't do any of that cuz it's it sounds horrible. No, I that is what I love. So being in a time loop being able to learn everything about a specific day, week, when however long the time loop lasts, that just sounds awesome to me. Now, I will say, here's the problem with the time loop. Because getting out of the time loop is sporadic. It is never quite known how to get out. Uh, and eventually, because I am human... I will get bored eventually. Yep. I will hit the stage where uh, Phil does and just be like, I want this to end. So you want to go uh, start killing yourself and stuff? Probably, just to get out. But also, I mean, if that doesn't work, I'll basically resign to it. I will have to find ways to entertain myself. Um, I could easily see myself going crazy if I'm in the time loop for too long. But yeah. Groundhog Day, like, it gave me my love of time loops and really not just time loops. Like, that was kind of the start of it. It From time loops, it branched out to time itself, time manipulation, time distortions. So this is what started timelines. your craziness. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, at least we part picked a movie we agree on. Anyway. Like I said, this is my number four, so this was really high up on my list. Okay. Yeah, this is my number eight, just just because uh, the other ones are kind of, I think, like, I picked them. They are favorites for specific genres. You know, I think we're going to have another crossover. I, I I really do think, I think my number six is going to be on your list. Well, well, let's see. What is your number seven? Well, my number seven is the one I thought, I said that I don't think you're going to expect. And this okay. is a movie came out in 1993. I love this movie. It's so funny. And it is Robin Hood Men in Tights. No, I fully expect that. <laughs> I don't usually like parody movies, but I love this movie. Yeah, but you love, like, raunchy comedy kind of stuff. I and do. Men in Tights is, like, 
the Robin Hood with raunchy comedy. It's so funny. I oh man, this movie. I I can watch this movie anytime, and I'd still be laughing. So, little side note. I so when I sleep, I put a movie on to listen to while I'm sleeping, and I go through cycles. So like, I'll switch a movie. I'll listen to that movie for like maybe a few months to a year, and then I'll switch to another movie. This cycle I'm going through right now is Robin Hood Men in Tights. You're a weird guy, you know that? Uh, yeah, no, I, I fully understand that, yeah. <laughs> no, Robin Hood Men in Tights is just one of those movies that I grew up watching because my mom really liked Robin Hood and like those kind of well, storylines and stuff. And she's like, oh, this is a comedy. You should check it out, and we can watch it together. And I fell in love with this movie. It's just... Like you said, it's just a silly, slapsticky, dumb comedy. Uh, then recommendation for you. What's that? If you liked Robin Hood Men in Tights, you will probably like Zorro the Gay Blade. Zorro the Gay Blade. Okay. Zorro. Zorro the Gay... Okay, that makes sense. I'm guessing it's about the mask of Zorro. Yeah, it's Zorro, but uh, just filled with a ton of comedy in it. Okay. But yeah, Robin Hood and Midnight's, like, what, who's your favorite character in that movie? Let's start with that. Who's your favorite character? That's actually really tough. It is. Um, That's why I'm asking. Because, let's see here, Little John is it's, it's hilarious. Little John, he's blind in this movie, right? No, Little John is the big guy who can't swim in a little tiny Oh, thing. that's right. Little John is the, he, uh, the whole thing was like he was protecting that little tiny bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they did the fight where they kept breaking the stick smaller and smaller. Yes, that is such a great scene. <laughs> it is such a great scene. Who's who's the blind one? That is... Oh, what, what was his name? Dude, that movie's... That, that character's so funny. And he's like, get they get back to the they get back to the castle and it's gone. And he's like going to the castle like he normally does. And he's yes. like taking a he's like taking a crap. And he's just like, why is it so drafty in here? Did someone leave a window open? Blinking. <laughs> Blinking. That's it. <laughs> so that scene specifically always has irked me. Uh, the them pulling the castle away kind of thing because. So funny. It is it is a funny concept. The reason it irks me is simply because of my like anal like tension to detail kind of stuff. If the castle is actually there and you're pulling the castle away from its foundation, which okay, not very believable, but un- I I get it. Why the hell doesn't the walls hit Blinken on the way as they're pulling it out? Because you need to suspend belief, Nate. That's why. I know. Like, I'm just <laughs> saying. Like, that is the that one scene is the only scene in the entire movie where I'm just like, uh. If I remember, who is the the black character in that movie? Because he's he didn't that, that guy is Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I was like, isn't that like a super famous guy <laughs> who plays Achu? Yes, that I, was that Dave Chappelle's like one of his first movie roles. Hmm. I wanna, like, dude, because I was like, like, I remember not knowing who Dave Chappelle was. I had no idea who that was. And then as an adult being like, oh, I love Robin Hood and Tights. They're like, yeah, Dave Chappelle's character is funny. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Dave Chappelle's a stand-up comedian. 
And then I looked back, I was like, holy shit, that's Dave Chappelle. I had no clue. It is his first credited movie. That's awesome. He did another movie in 1981, but he's uncredited. He is listed as Kid on Beach. You never did tell me who your favorite character is, Nate. I'm still thinking, like, there's so many good ones. (laughs) I'd say it's a, me, personally, it's a toss-up between Blinken and Lil Jon. Okay, the two, like, massive comedy characters. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, the scene where he's fight- blinking his fighting when they're all fighting in the castle, and he's just attacking, like, this, like, s- like this beam. Wooden and this, pillar. Like, yeah. wooden pillar. He's like, this man is giving it his all. <laughs> and then, like, next moment you see him, he has carved the whole thing in down to, like, a super thin piece. <laughs> it's so stupid! Uh... All right, I'll just get it. I'll just say Robin Hood because okay. I'm based like that. You're based. All right, here's yeah. my question. This is obviously a Mel Brooks parody movie. Yes. There's also another famous Mel Brooks parody movie, Spaceballs. Between yes. Robin Hood Minutites and Spaceballs, what's your what's the better movie? Oh, they're equal in my No, my no. Mind. If you have to lean one direction, which way are you going? I guess Spaceballs simply because I like okay. sci-fi more. That makes but sense. Not- I the movie I've, itself. Spaceballs has some funny scenes. Dark Helmet. Dark Helmet alone is the best character in that movie. Like, hands down. Best yeah. character in that movie. But I lean more towards Robin Hood Minute Tights because I love the story of Robin Hood the most. If you don't so, know this, Nate, my very favorite animated Disney movie is the animated movie of Robin Hood. It's my I favorite Disney actually. movie. Yeah, it's my favorite Disney movie. And this is a parody of that. It's hilarious. So, uh, well, it's a parody of Robin Hood. Yeah, like, you know, not but a parody of that I know. Movie, I'm basically. just saying that's why I love the Robin Hood story so much. Um, I just realized while I'm reading the uh, cast on Robin Hood Men and Tides right now, and the assassin that they were uh, they ha- were going to have kill Robin Hood during the archer competition. Yeah, his name is Ezio. No way is his last name Aldatori. No, so the <laughs> character's name is Dirty Ezio. This is uh, when Ezio decides to take a uh, take a break from his uh, his creed and try to take out Robin Hood. Yeah, filthy Luca and Dirty Ezio. That is that's ironic, right? Hilarious. Yeah, maybe that's... maybe that's where they got the idea to make Ezio's character named Ezio the Assassin. That's and possible. And the games. But yeah, that is my number seven. Love this movie. It's just, this is my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Okay. I that I would say it would be tied with uh Spaceballs. No, never mind. No. What was I'm forget Blazing Saddles. That is my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Never seen it. I highly recommend it. It's very fun. Uh but I'm a big fan of uh westerns. Oh, see, uh, especially like the old timey like comedy westerns. Yeah, I'm not that big of a fan of like serious westerns. Uh, not like, over there watching Clint Eastwood movies. Yeah, but I really do love like just comedy stuff. Yeah. So, what is your number seven, Nate? Uh, my number seven is The Frighteners. Came out in 1996, rated R, and its duration is an hour and 50 minutes long. Okay. Never heard of this movie. 
this is my all-time favorite horror movie. Uh, regardless of any era, this is it. It was the main character, Frank Bannister, is played by Michael J. Fox. Oh, that makes sense. That's why you like it. <laughs> well, no, I also really like this movie. Is what got me introduced to like seeing ghosts and stuff. Like, and ghosts not being like horror, always evil. Uh, it's more like long lines of ghosts being what they were when they were alive. They're either good or bad. Um, so Frank Bannister is able to see ghosts and he, he's also kind of a con man, uh, okay. which is another thing I find that I enjoy in movies when you have like a real slick con man kind of character. You like people being able to lie to you, Nate. I do. I like being a liar and characters that relate to that to me. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. So. Interesting, Nate. You yeah. like being a liar. I do. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Frank Bannister, ha- his job is that he goes around cemeteries and goes or waits for funerals. Then when he sees the bereaved, he hands them his card and says that they're being haunted. Then he has his two, like he has a couple of ghosts living with him. They work with him and he has them go haunt them for a little while. And then he pretends to exercise them. He Uh, pretends to exercise them. Yeah, because he doesn't like, he doesn't get rid of them in reality. He does. The technology he uses is bogus. Uh, It literally just, a light show that he puts on to trick people into paying him money to get rid of the wow, ghosts what a scumbag, that Nate. on them. Yeah. So Frank Bannister uh, starts seeing these numbers on people's foreheads, living people. And he doesn't under, like he's confused as to why he's seeing it happen on living people. Uh, because the numbers are kind of glowy on them. And then people, the people who have the numbers on them start to die. So the whole movie is him trying to like save uh, people that are getting the numbers on their foreheads. And he basically becomes a good guy. This sounds it like is, the concept of like a Persona game. It, no, I don't think so. At least the I've only seen Persona 5, it, it, and it's not like that at all. No, um, it's not. But it is... It is a good movie, especially if you like Michael J. Fox. It is good comedy. Um, and that's another re- like I'm I can handle pretty much any genre of movie. Just put comedy in it. Uh, comedy or love. And you know, I'll, I'll be able to go in. I think I might actually check this movie out. Uh, you will be. It's because this is going when we get closer to Halloween. I'm picking this for a, a movie to watch for us. Oh well, I guess I'll wait then. <laughs> yeah, this is. I was wanting to do this a while back, but it wasn't available at the time. It is now available, so I, that is the movie I'm picking for our, like Halloween kind of thing. Well, I will wait until Halloween then. Yes, uh, but for our listeners, I highly suggest you check it out. It is a great movie. Uh, the acting is great. The comedy is awesome. The twists and turns are pretty predictable, honestly. But that's not really why you're watching it. Uh, 
And the ghost interactions are hilarious. Okay. That is my number seven. Number seven. Yeah, well, that sounds good. Like I said, I, I knew nothing about this movie until you just explained it. Yeah. Uh, and I look forward to your reaction. Okay. As so long as it's better than, you know, Beetlejuice. I think so. But that's because this is my favorite horror film and why not? <laughs> So that moves on to my number six, and this is another movie I think we might have a crossover with, Nate. This okay. is movie came out in 1994, and it is the movie The Mask. Well, damn. Okay, yep, that is a crossover. I had a feeling. What number is it for you? Number five. <laughs> is it? <laughs> That's funny. So yes, The Mask is my number six, and uh, it's one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies of all time. Same. Uh... Would you say this is your favorite Jim Carrey movie? No. No. Okay. No. Uh, but it is. It is pro. It is my second favorite Jim Carrey movie. I have. I have a feeling I know what number one is, but we'll get to that. Um. So yeah, the mask. The mask is one of those movies where again it shows <laughs> Jim Carrey at his Jim Carreyness, just being crazy. I think this yeah. must have been when he was on like cocaine a lot. <laughs> like. I don't know about that, but Jim Carrey has always had the quality of being able to base... Like, he is the closest human being we have, actor-wise, to be what I would have imagined Elastic Man to be. Okay. Uh, Like, if they did a movie for the DC superhero Elastic Man, Jim Carrey is the guy I would have wanted to play him. Because his humor is pretty much the exact same. Uh... Jim Carrey is very well known for his facial expressions. Yep. Uh, like they literally the man with the rubber face, and, and that's who the mask. <laughs> yeah. So like this this movie, I I do agree that it, it like I said it is this my second favorite Jim Carrey movie, and it is the perfect movie to um describe like jim carrey's wackiness yeah i think jim carrey did a great job as like playing the you know i put on the mask i become crazy become basically a cartoon character i think cameron diaz also did a really good job of playing the love interest because this is back when cameron diaz was just you know pretty well like starting off as a her movie career i could be wrong but it I had I don't remember anything before nineteen ninety what four of with Cameron Diaz. Uh, me neither really. But her. while we talk about, it, I'll look her up real quick. Yeah. Um. I just I don't know. I just love this movie. Like I don't even know what to say. Like besides like the comedy in this movie is just golden. It, yeah, it is. Uh, I love all the scenes, especially how he can just warp, warp reality to what he wants it to be. So this is her very first movie. Okay, so I was right. Uh, so what a good movie to start your career on. <laughs> I will go ahead and merge with you real quick and give out the details of this movie if you want. That's fine. Uh, so it's rated PG thirteen, and it is an hour and forty one minutes long. Uh, Jim Carrey plays the main character Stanley Ipkiss. Okay. Cameron Diaz plays the love interest Tina Carlisle. Peter Rygart plays Lieutenant Mitch Kellaway, uh, which I love his interactions with Stanley, by the way. Like, 
Oh, man. Uh, Peter Green plays Dorian, who does an amazing job as the antagonist of the film. Especially when he gets the mask. Exactly. Like, that is, like you said, how uh, Jim Carrey, like, becomes a cartoon character almost when he puts on the mask. Right. That is one of the things I loved about the mask is that it show it basically brings out your inner self. So for Stanley, he's a romantic goofball cartoon like character, while Dorian is a hard as nails badass. I'm gonna kill evil. everybody. <laughs> yeah, like he is evil in that regard. And it definitely shows when they put the masks on. Yeah. Uh, because Stanley basically is just himself, but turned up to like a thousand. Whereas Dorian becomes like this roided out, like monstrosity of a I'm butcher. Gonna, I'm going to kill everybody and get the girl. That's my yeah. goals. <laughs> uh, and then you've got Amy Asbeck who plays Peggy Brant, the reporter. And yeah. Richard Jenny, who plays Charlie Shoemaker, the best friend. And he can't forget about the MVP of the movie, Milo the dog. The dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know the dog actor's name. Who cares? But I just love the yeah. I, the dog is hilarious. <laughs> yes, Milo is a intricate part of the movie. Honestly. Yeah, like without Milo, he would, the movie would have ended with him just being in jail. Yeah. Um. Man, that is it is such a good movie. It also got me into but reading the comics of the mask. I never um, tried the comics. I've what I've seen of them. I don't think I would like them. Probably not because it does like the thing about the mask comics is that the mask doesn't stay with one character for too long. It goes from different from person to person very yeah, frequently. And I don't like that. which shows you the different personality stuff. Like on one it gives uh, like a soldier picks it up and he becomes like a goofy badass battalion of himself. Uh, another one is a character who is very much like Stanley, actually. I think it might have been Stanley. I don't know, really. Oh, no. um, because it's been years since I've read the comics back probably when I around the first time I watched the movie. Uh, and then also, uh, do you ever watch the cartoon? Maybe here and there as a kid. Yeah, I really like the cartoon. It kind of fuses the comics with the movie. Like, it has the situations from the comics, but Stanley Ipkiss, the goofiness of him interacting with those situations. Yeah. Although, if you like this movie, never, ever, ever watch the sequel, The Son of the Mask. It is horrendous. Never watch it. So, Son of the Mask. Garbage. Don't even try to defend this movie. It is garbage. I will say I didn't mind it to a certain point, <sighs> but there horrible. were a lot of, a lot of like things that could have been done better. Terrible. But anyways, yeah, that's my, my number six. Let's move on to your number six. All right. So my number six is a love movie. Okay. Uh, romant a romantic comedy called You've Got Mail came out in 1998. It is rated PG. It is an hour and 59 minutes long. Uh, the main character is actually Meg Ryan, Catholic, played by Kathleen Kelly, who co-stars along Tom Hanks, who he plays Joe Fox. Uh, and the another movie that has Dave Chappelle in it, who plays Kevin Jackson, Joe Fox's best friend. 
Huh. Uh, the movie is so I will say there the reason why this like I like this movie so much is probably because because uh, you're a hopeless romantic. Yes. Um, no. Nah, so this movie gives hope for people who have long distance relationships or online relationships. Oh, I can see where you get connected, Nate. Because this movie is about two people who meet in a chat room, start out as friends, just give each other advice over the wh- however long it goes in the movie. Because the movie spans, I think, a couple of months. And uh, over time, they start to fall for each other online. Oh, boy. Uh, and then situations happen. They can't... Or Joe Fox... Uh, can't meet her in real life until because he's afraid that she won't like him. Uh, probably rightfully so. <laughs> so by the end of the film, he gets to the point where he feels comfortable enough to be able to show who he is to her. And it it is a very good romantic feel-good movie. Uh, I So this is actually one of two movies that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan did together. The other one being Sleepless in Seattle. And they're pretty much the exact same formula. Just years apart. Hey, if it works. Yeah. Uh, The only difference is with You've Got Mail, they actually live very close to each other, but feel like they are far away because it's the internet. It's a never-ending expanse. Whereas Sleepless in Seattle, they live like cities away from one another. And I don't even think they contact each other, really. They fall in love with the concept of one another rather than them, which is a very troubling message, uh, I will admit. Welcome to modern dating with like Tinder and all that. Yeah, which, I mean, kind of fits with You've Got Mail, honestly. (laughs) So, yeah, highly recommend if you just love a feel-good romantic comedy, if you want to watch a movie with your wife, Raislin, this is the movie I go with. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is my n- number six. All right, that moves on to my number five, which uh, hopefully is not another crossover date because I know this is a movie you love. And this is it came out in 1999. It is The Mummy. Brendan Fraser's yeah. The Mummy. You almost... So, I was... About to say, I'm fairly certain you are not going to have a crossover with any of my the other movies I have okay. on here. Uh, but then you said 1999, and I'm like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I but know okay. you love this movie, The Mummy. Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. This yes, is the I, movie I that made me fall in love with Brendan Fraser. Like, this movie's awesome. This is, is also a, the movie that got me in, like, loving the whole like adventurer type movies like um i i grew up watching um oh my god just drew a blank so indiana jones i love indiana jones that's what introduced me to that style of like i like to search for treasure adventure type movies this expanded on it by bringing in more supernatural elements with the mummy the mummy whole thing was like you know you don't mess with supernatural beings like this. Okay. So, real quick. 
I've just recently watched all of the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. And, uh, like, almost every single one of those movies has supernatural shit going on in them. I know, but this one that was, like, normally the w- supernatural stuff in the Indiana Jones movies is, like, don't open that. Don't open that. Yeah. The artifact's gonna kill everybody. This one is straight up, like, the mummy's hunting you and wants to kill you. Yeah, there's actual supernatural entity right. rather than just an artifact. That's okay, what I, I meant. You. That's what I was getting at with the with this. But this is what, like, like I said, I love the Indiana Jones, but this movie is what solidified my love for that style of genre. That's why I love Tomb Raider and Uncharted and video games that are ex- like explore that kind of stuff. I, so, I love the idea of searching for hidden artifacts and stuff. I do love the mummy. It is a great movie. Um, and I like Indiana Jones. I will say I was probably, I was already a big fan of the style and aesthetic simply because of books. There, I read a lot oh, of books. Yeah, that I, I of didn't thing. do that as a kid. <laughs> but uh, Brendan Fraser's character, um, that, like that type of character, yeah. the just badass kind of, kind of mysterious in a way, uh, I really like that. Like that character, I wouldn't say he's the one that got me into that character, but it probably helps solidify that type of character being one of the characters I go to towards any game I play. Yeah. Uh, because I always, like, if I play a game, I are, there was probably, like, three uh, styles I go into. One is either the really slick, smooth-talking con artist kind of guy, the guy get out of his way of talking. The other is the, like, badass gunslinger who can make a quip, which is the mummy's type of character. Right. And then the third is just the, like, kind of brooding, silent, uh, brawler type of character. So that, I will say, Brendan Fraser probably solidified that style of character yeah. for me. I, and and I, I would say this is my favorite Brendan Fraser movie, hands down. I'd have to look at his movies to be able to fully say, it. but you're, it is probably like top ten for me. Yeah, I I love everybody in this movie. I love every character. I love every one of these movies. Like, even the 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 the, the what was it the last one with the um, the third the, one the third one. There's only three. I thought there was four, but yeah, the uh, one with the the uh, what was it the dragon, dragon emperor? emperor? That one was okay. It's still a great movie. It's not as good as the first two. The first two are almost on equal, like, par with each other. I love the second one's whole, you know, his son gets the Scorpion King trapped on his uh, on his arm, the bracelet. I love yeah. that concept. And also, the Scorpion King movie. That's a great movie, too. Yes. Uh, Except for the sequels, those are garbage. But don't watch those. But watch the first one. <laughs> the one with the rock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you know that there's... I think there's four or five Scorpion King movies now. I thought there were six. Is there six? Oh, God. I mean, there may only be four but or five, but... I tried I watching the second Scorpion King, and I almost turned it off. It was that bad. Yeah, they ended up it, having to fight, like, an invisible scorpion. So it's like they... You saw the actors fighting nothing. <laughs> I think my favorite... Uh, Brennan Fraser movie is bedazzled oh my god okay so we're gonna move on now Nate. <laughs> so what's your next one uh so my next one is a movie that came out in 1994 
the mask. Okay. Uh, yeah, we already talked about this. <laughs> uh, so I'll move on to my fourth pick, actually. Okay. My fourth pick came out in 1994. Uh, rated PG, duration two hours and seven minutes, and it is Maverick. Maverick? Like yes. Top Gun Maverick? Uh, spelt the same way as that Maverick, but different movie all entirely. Um <laughs> So, like I said, I am a big fan of comedy westerns. The reason for that is because when I was a kid, I used to watch a show called Maverick. It is about a slick-talking, gambling uh, gunslinger in the Old West. And Maverick was the reboot, or not really a reboot, just kind of like a continuation or something along the... It's in the same universe kind of thing, uh, which follows one of the characters brett maverick or the son of brett maverick they never really clarify uh because they have the actor who played the original brett maverick james garner um and he plays the father of brett maverick so this movie is just this guy who is going around the old west trying to collect uh money from his friends who owe him money but every time he goes Something happens. Uh, for example, and this one's for you, Raislin. He goes to a bank to collect money from the uh, like owner of the bank. And the owner of the bank's like, I'm out of money. And while they're talking, the bank gets robbed. Uh, the robbers take a crap ton of money from his friend. And he's like, I thought you said you were broke. And he's like, that's for emergencies. Oh, this why, is is this, emergency. why is this? Why are you saying that to me, man? Well, no, that's not the part. The bank robber who takes the money, Brett kind of lifts up real carefully and pulls down the bandana covering his face, and it's Danny Glover. Oh. And Danny Glover is like, hey, what, what are you doing? And then as they run out, and he's like, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> as he hops up onto his horse oh, and funny. rides away. It was a nice little uh, callback to their Lethal Weapon days. Oh, man. Lethal Weapon's so good. Yes. Uh, so the whole movie is, like I said, him collecting money. The reason he's collecting money is because he wants to get into a uh, poker tournament on, the, on a riverboat. And the buy-in is a certain amount of money. So he's going through trying to collect the money. He meets... Uh, the love interest, Annabelle Bransford, who's played by Jodie Foster. Uh, she is like him. Uh, well, sort of like it. She's an actual con woman. He, in this iteration, is a full-on just gambler who is also an insanely good shot fighter. Uh, he is kind of a con man. He tricks the entire town into thinking he's a good fighter because he pays <laughs> people to lose. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh he knows someone's after him, so he pays these fighters to, or these people to lose to a fight in him, and it makes the other guy that's after him kind of not want to fight him anymore. He's like, you know what? My bad. I did not mean to antagonize you. I saw you kick their asses. I'm going to walk away. And then later on, he finds out that he got tricked, and he's like, I'm going to fuck him up. <laughs> uh, and that character is Angel, played by Alfred Molina. You may know him as Doc Ock from the Spider-Man movies. Oh, that's why I recognize the name. Uh, and then he's basically hired to make sure that 
Maverick doesn't make it to the tournament for some reason. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the whole movie is that he's going across the West, meeting old friends, trying to get some money. A lot of zany adventures come in. Uh, it's just a f- really funny old-time Western kind of thing. Definitely sounds like a Nate movie for sure. Yes. Uh, it has action, adventure, kind of love. Like, love is... Eh, it. I don't... Like, it's a weird kind of love. Uh, it is... It has the comedy in it. It has gunslinging. It, it is just a great movie. And well, that is my number four. Okay, moving on to my number four will be Groundhog Day. Okay, moving on to my th- number three. <laughs> <laughs> is The movie came out in 1999, and yeah. it is The Matrix. I just watched that yesterday. Hey! So, fun fact, Nate. I know this is doesn't make much sense since we've talked about stuff like this, but this was actually the very first Keanu Reeves movie I ever saw. Really? Yep. This is who got this is the movie that made me fall in love with Keanu Reeves. Came out in nineteen ninety nine, like I said. So I was late to the game. I was a kid. Matrix came out. I saw it with my dad because he loved action style movies. So we went and saw the movie. I wanna say I even saw it in theaters. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I went to the theaters to see this movie. And I love this movie. I think I did too, honestly. I didn't watch like Bill and Ted or Point Break, because I mentioned Point Break in the beginning. I didn't watch those until later. It was I watched those hmm. after I saw. I was just like, "Oh, dude, the guy from the Matrix had movies before this." What? And I watched them as when I was got when I was a little older. So that's when I watched Bill and Ted. I watched Bill and Ted for the first time when I was like a teenager. Wow. Uh, yeah, I would say I probably watched uh, Bill and Ted. I. Yeah, I watched Bill and Ted first, and then I watched Dracula, uh, and then I watched Speed. Oh, that movie's good too. So yeah, I've I knew Keanu Reeves way before the Matrix. No, not me, but no, the Matrix. I love the Matrix. The whole idea of like it's all a simulation. It's what it's the movie that again got conspiracy theories to be like, whoa, what if real life isn't what we thought it was? Yeah, uh, I remember everything in the early 2000s. Everybody was always talking about like, well, this is just a simulation, and you know the machines out there. And it's like, what in the world? <laughs> People believe this? I, the main thing I remember about the Matrix, uh, culture-wise, is that it either inspired or brought to light the in the fashion sense of just. All black. <laughs> Everything's all, all leather. <laughs> yeah. Like, I I feel like that was already a thing. It had to have been. So it must have just brought light to that. But after that, I just saw her seeing it everywhere. Yeah. But I, one of the big things that got me into this movie was the whole story, the lore of, you know, he's the one... He, you know, he has. He's the only one who can save everybody. And the action scenes were so good. The fight scenes, oh yeah. man, late '90s at its peak. And the soundtrack is awesome. Everything about this movie is awesome. I, I don't care what people say. Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, or was that it? Revel- Revelation. Revelations. I love those movies. 
Love them. I love the whole trilogy. The new one's garbage. I don't like the new one. You love didn't like the Resurrection? I, that movie sucked. I liked it. Terrible. But no, I love the original trilogy. They should never have made a fourth one. They literally ended it perfectly with Neo dying, saving the whole damn uni- whole damn world. They didn't need to make another one. Go, go, dude. I'm grateful. Go make more John Wicks. People want that. They're already, Le- they're already making John Wicks. I know. You haven't even watched them. No, I've only seen the first one. It wasn't that good. Anyways, so yeah. That's why I like the major. <laughs> I need to give John Wick another chance. I know. Yeah. Uh, but that's why I love Matrix. It literally was my first introduction to Keanu Reeves. Love the story. Love the action. Love the fight scenes. Love the characters. Mr. Anderson. Like, I do. That guy's awesome. There, but, I will say, a lot of the time, I forget that Neo's name was Thomas Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll hear Mr. Anderson. I'm like, who the fuck are they talking? Oh, Neo. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's yeah. that's my number three is the Matrix. I'm actually surprised this is not on your list, to be honest. Nah, yeah, uh, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong, uh, and it like it was definitely like a massive cultural hit. Uh, like it impacted society on really hard. I just, eh, it was a good movie. It's definitely not in my like tops. So, number three for me. Uh, This movie is actually very dear to me. This is like a movie that can do no wrong, in my opinion. Oh, boy. It is kind of a movie that introduced me to anime, really. Oh, Um, no. You were putting this high up on a pedestal. Better be a great movie, Nate. Princess Mononoke came out in 1997. Oh, that is a very, very popular movie. Yes. I've never seen it, but I know it is extremely popular. Yes. This movie, like, there's no flaws in this movie. This movie is, it has everything you could want in a anime period. Like, I don't know how you could expand upon it. Uh, it is PG-13. It is two hours and 14 minutes long. And I will say, I knew that uh, there was a character or an actor in this that I knew he was in it, but I didn't know that there were so many other big names in this. So the main character in the English dub, by the way, uh, is Ashitaka. And he is played by an actor named Billy Crudup. I don't know him very often or very much. I think I've seen him do some things, but I haven't really... I don't really know him very well. Uh, the female lead, the love interest, San, is Claire Danes. The There's another character. So his name is Jigo. And you might know this name, Raceland. Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, I love Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, then we have Minnie Driver, who plays Lady Abashi, or Aboshi. John DiMaggio, who plays Gonza. Gillian Anderson, who plays Moro. Uh, Gillian Anderson, by the way, for our good friend Ty, he definitely recognizes her. She played in the X-Files. Keith David, who plays Okato. And Jada Pinkett-Smith, who plays Toki. I'm surprised Jada Pinkett-Smith doesn't play G.I. Jane. Now be careful there. (laughs) Be careful. 
<laughs> so this movie uh, is about a man who defending his village from an animal that has been corrupted. Uh, his hand gets corrupted as well in the process of defending his village. His village then kind of is like, okay, you got to go. Uh, we don't want that kind of thing around here. So it's okay. No worries for the village. Leaves his sister behind uh, and goes on a journey to try to purify his hand. He comes across another village that is next to a forest that has a forest lord, a god. Um, and in this forest, there is a war going on between man, boar, monkeys, and wolves. Uh, wolves? Yes, wolves. Um, I see why this is your in your top five, Nate. Actually, this... Like, this movie probably helps solidify my thoughts on wolves, like how cool they were. Because it's cool the mom, in quotes. The mother wolf is just a fucking badass. At one point, she's literally like, I think she's just ahead at some point, and she just like, through sheer anime will, forces her head to like go forward and bite. Uh, one of the characters to stop them. Uh, it is a good movie. So the main character, Ashitaka, is kind of like a go-between. He, while he's trying to purify his hand, he's also going between the wolves and the humans to be like, "Hey, let's not fight. Like y'all should try to get along. Uh, this this should really not be an issue." But because man keeps deforest, uh, deforesting the forest, they are pretty much hated by the wild animal clans. Makes sense. So, yeah. So it's kind of a losing battle on his end. Plus, they kind of want to gain the power of the forest god, which means they'd have to kill the forest god. Yeah, the mankind, like, the individual characters of the mankind clan are really cool. But their motives are really not great <laughs> uh, at all. Um, just uh, it's such a good movie. Highly recommend anybody to watch it. The animation is top notch. The voice acting, amazing. The theme, terrific. There, like I said, there is no way you can improve on this film. Uh, it is one of the very few films that I give a five out of five. Oh, damn. The five out of five Nate approval. And would not want them to do a remake at all. They're going to do a remake, but it's going to have Michael Sarah be the main character. I would really hope not. Um, <laughs> like if they did a, I would rather them just do a remaster, just kind of like clean up and crispen the artwork and everything. Ah, oh, the, oh, there's just such a good movie. It's going to be Michael Sarah and Jesse Eisenberg are going to be the two main voice actors. Uh, the two main voice actors is a, Male and female, you're gonna have one of them play songs. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be know. Michael Sarah. He's gonna be really like. He's gonna be talking like this. Hey, you know. Oh, I really hope not. That would, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my number three. Okay. What is yours? Well, mine. I already did my number three. Oh, your number two. I mean. Sorry. Yeah. My number two is a movie that came out in 1991. 
and it is Terminator 2 Judgment Day T2. Okay, another really good one, really good action. This Very is emotional. A universally I feel like this is universally agreed that this is the best Terminator movie. I would think so. Like I've never heard anyone say it's not. Yeah, like anytime I talk about like the Terminator series with anybody, it's always like, "Oh, T2's the best." Yeah. Like that it is the movie that which they hold all the others to standard. And yeah, this movie is fantastic. Like I don't this is one of those movies that I don't see a flaw anywhere in the movie. Like you can say what you want about the timeline and all that stuff, but like me personally, I don't this is a 5 out of 5 for me. I love this movie. Like okay. the whole idea that Sarah Connor has already gone through this and now she has a kid and she's trying to like raise this kid to basically be the be the chosen one basically the savior and this kid wants nothing to do with it he just wants to be a kid until he finally is like i need to Forced. step up yeah i need to step up and be the chosen one and yeah, yeah. arnold and i love the dynamic between him and arnold schwarzenegger's terminator because it's like i'm not here to kill him i'm here to protect him and he's like teaching him how to be a human like Come on, this is a high five. You need to smile more. Oh, God, don't do that. That's insane. Smile less. <laughs> yeah, don't kill. Uh. <laughs> don't kill anybody. And he, like, takes a Gatling gun and just blows, like, half of people away. And he's like, bro, they're not dead. They're just wounded. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. man. <laughs> They'll live. <laughs> uh, uh, it, is, it is a very good movie. Uh, and I, I love the whole, you know... One of my favorite scenes in the movie is actually when Sarah tries to kill the guy from was it si- the Ibidine or what was the name of that company? The one that's creating Cyber uh, the the main bad guy. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think what, it's Cyberdyne. Is it Cyberdyne? What? Because what? What's the 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 company that takes over Skynet? So. Is it Cyberdyne? Skynet was the program that they were going to launch. So, Cyberdyne is the company that right. owns Skynet. Well, the the black guy with his family, who is running Cyber Cyberdyne or whatever it's called, um, when he you know Sarah goes to kill him, they have to stop Sarah, and they confront him by ripping his arm off and showing the skeleton. That's one of the coolest scenes in that movie. Like it really brings that character like oh shit. What have yeah. I done? Yeah. Uh, Joe Martin, the actor who played Miles from Terminator 2, the black guy. Yeah. Um, he is one of my favorite characters in my all-time favorite show, Eureka. Oh, that makes sense. No, so if I you just, like that actor, highly recommend Eureka. I, don't, I just like that scene because it's just like it's a realization of like, oh my God, what have I done? Kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That's when he like actually commits to helping. Right, but yeah, I, and I I love the kid. Like whoever that kid was that they hired to do play John, Edward not, Furlong. That he knocked it out of the damn park. He is the best John Connor out of all the movies. Like that kid does such a good job of playing like that character. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And this movie is also the movie that got started my love for the band Guns and Roses. Because Guns N' Roses does one of the soundtracks in this movie. You Could Be All Mine right. is one of the songs they play in this movie. And it got me to love Guns N' Roses. 
Uh, that's interesting. I know, you don't care about the music aspect, but I do. Well, it's not that. I'm surprised that uh, you fell in love with the band over a movie soundtrack. Hey, you know what? This came out, I saw this when I was real little. I probably saw this when I was like six, seven, eight, something like that. That's true. And I didn't know who Guns N' Roses was. Guns N' Roses obviously came out in 1986 or something like that. And they have rocking parents there, racing. Yeah, but I didn't really pay attention to like who's the band when my dad threw the you know whatever he was listening to on the radio. I was just like, oh, it's just music that my dad's listening to in the background. Now, <laughs> when I'm getting a little older, you know, like seven, eight years old, I was like, wow, I like this. Who is this? And I look into who the band is. That's when I learned who Guns N' Roses was, and then I started listening to Appetite of Destruction. There you go. See, it a touching moment with Guns N' Roses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but I love this movie. You love this movie. We all kind of agree it's the best Terminator movie. I feel like there's no one who doesn't love this movie. Now, there's that one guy that was like, Terminator 2 is the freaking worst one. I'd rather w- watch the newer ones. <laughs> what, what was it? Dark? No. Dark, Dark Fate, Fate was great. Don't even... Dark Fate. I like no, Dark Fate. That's not the one I'm thinking of. What was the one? It's the one where to, it's where Arnold's old and he could become he becomes a liquid Terminator. It's the yeah, one before the one Dark Fate. Yeah, I don't remember which one that was though. I don't either. It, it was the weakest of all the movies. <laughs> I think three was still the weakest. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I kind of forgot about that one. Yeah, that is the weakest. You're right. I can understand why you would want to forget. But yeah, Terminator 2 is my f- number two. I actually, it was my number one favorite 90s movie forever. Until recently, when I watched my number one for the first time last year. We'll get to that. And it, but it overthrew Terminator. Interesting. So yeah, that's my number two. What is your number two, Nate? Uh, so my number two came out in 1998. It is rated PG, an hour and 43 minutes long. And it is The Truman Show. Hey, I knew this would be on your list. Yes, this is my all-time favorite Jim Carrey movie. I think it's ironic that we all, all between the two of us, we have one, two, three, four Jim Carrey movies. Yes. And uh, yet no one mentioned Liar Liar, which is surprising. It is a great movie. Another movie I just watched last week, actually. Uh, but gonna have to give it with The Truman Show because it is a, the perfect blend for jim carrey to me it has his humor not too much of it but it also shows his acting chops of being able to handle a serious role as well uh and that's the reason why i love this movie the theme of it is great uh trippy as hell because another one of those movies where it made conspiracy theorists come out like maybe we're just all in a reality show maybe none of us is real yeah, uh, spe- like, man, when I first watched this, which I was, I guess I was probably nine because I didn't watch it when it first came out. I think I watched it a year after. Yeah. And, man, like, my my family likes to say that I went through uh, my midlife crisis when I was younger or when I was, like, nine years old. Which is, this probably which is had terrifying. A, this probably had a big hand in it because it made me question a lot of reality to me. Uh, which is kind of the reason why I like a lot of the movies when they make me question a lot of stuff about life. 
Um, and this, it's, man, it was just such a good movie. So it's, it was very heartwarming while also very melancholic and tragic. Uh, it was funny, really funny, actually. It was, I really love the humor in this movie, especially when they mix it with kind of the dark tone of it. Yeah. Um, so it, you have Jim Carrey who plays the main character, Truman. And Truman has been raised since conception. Not since birth, but since conception. Which is really to, messed up to think about. Yes. Like that. Like I said, the humor in this, which just barely covers the super dark tone of the movie. Because human rights out the window on this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, And... The father figure of the show, which is him, basically, is Ed Harris, who plays Kristoff, uh, the director of the series The Truman Show. God, that's and, such a messed up kind of, like thing to think about. Right? Uh, and so Truman lives his entire life on a little island and like knows all these people, but doesn't know that none of those people are real. They're all paid actors that are there to be on a show. Uh, and then the one time, or no, the two times that reality does kind of try to hit uh, Truman, like when his father grows a conscience and is like, we need to tell this kid like that it's not right. They're like, no, kill they, him off. <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, we'll get rid of his father, but not just that. We'll make sure he doesn't want to leave the island ever again, so we'll traumatize him by making him think his father drowned and almost drowning him as well. And doesn't his mom, the actress who plays his mom, always is like, nah, Truman, you don't want to go near the water. You know what happened to your father. Yeah, she constantly <laughs> reinforces the fear of water to him. Uh, and then, which, uh, he also meets this girl in high school who I believe her name was Meryl. Uh, played by Laura Linney and she falls in love with him actively tries to like tell him about his life and so they get rid of her and move her to him across the world uh, was it like Fiji or something like that yes uh, he's always dreaming about going to Fiji and finding her uh, to the point where it's kind of creepy uh, because he like cuts out other women's faces. And oh, yeah, that seems messed up and creates her on there, which on one hand, really romantic. Like, no, it's not. Pre- <laughs> no, it's no, not. Hold on. It's <laughs> serial killer stuff. <laughs> it's not. OK, yes, it is serial killer stuff, <laughs> but I will say. He has no pictures of her because they absolutely, like, they refused to have any pictures of her. So he had to do something in order to keep her with him. Uh, and it's not like, killer. it's not like she, like, told him to leave him. She loved him. She tried to go with him. It's the studio that separated them. I so know. it is, it is romantic, but yes, super fucking creepy, super serial killer kind of style. But not mentality. This is the perfect example that context is everything. Because from a passive point of view, that's fucked up. But if you know the context, eh, okay, it's somewhat romantic. Uh, but yeah, it like it is just so fucked up to, like you said, to even think about the concept of this movie. 
And yet, that's kind of what makes the movie that great. I always wanted to see what happens after he finds out, and then they're like, you could stay. And he is like, no, I'm going to go live my life. And he leaves. And the movie just cuts right there with him walking out of the dome, and the movie's well, over. And I'm like, what happens afterwards? <laughs> well, it's implied that he goes to be with... I know, uh, but no. I always wanted to know. I yeah. wanted to see his reaction to the real world. He realizes he's on a set. He's walking through the set. Like, I want to see that. Well, first off, he's better. he better be, like, super fucking rich because royalties on his name alone should be well every they even show like everybody in the world knows who this guy is yeah he so is. if he goes out into the real world everything like holy shit it's truman yeah so he's either going to want to explore the world because he's been on a set his whole life or he's just going to want to get away from everybody's attention gonna be he's this is how this is how Ace Ventura, when Nature Calls, starts. He's actually, Truman leaves the dome, wants to get away from everybody, and then he goes and lives with those monks. Changes his, uh, <laughs> his identity. Everything. <laughs> he just changes his entire person. He, he cr- what if the, the sad reality is he cracks from being on I the mean, Truman Show, and that's why he's so messed up in, <laughs> in Ace Ventura? It is highly likely. Like, <laughs> The situation he is in has got to be. What like, if you find out the whole like like what happens after Truman leaves the dome? You just find out he just commits suicide. It's like oh well, I no, I don't think he would do that. <laughs> Especially when he will finally have Meryl with him. But man, yeah, it is definitely like it has got a message because even if you get out into reality, the paranoia that that may not actually be reality. Has gotta be crushing. Yeah. All so right. yeah, uh, we we need to move on to number one. Well, I want to say my favorite quote from the movie real quick. Okay. My favorite quote from this is "Good morning, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night." Yeah, it's because the catchphrase. <laughs> yes, that that is like to, when I first watched this, I was like, man, that is the perfect way to just never have to see anybody after you see them <laughs> once. Like, hey. I may not see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Do not come looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to my last one, which I mentioned before was over through Terminator 2 when I saw it for the first time last year. I'm sure you know what it is, Nate. It is the movie Scream that came out in 1996. I had a feeling. Uh, okay. It is the movie that our buddy Ty introduced me to when he... Had me watch it, and I love this movie. I fell in love with the whole franchise. It is a good movie. I'm um, surprised you're even saying it's a good movie. You don't like these type of movies. Well, I can under like I like the movie. Uh, I like the second movie, and I liked what was the fifth or wh- which one did we just watch? That was six. Six. I like the sixth one. My only problem with them in all of the movies I've seen of the franchise is that it is supposed to be the franchise that knows the tropes of horror and breaks away from the tropes of horror, but ironically follows the tropes of horror. I know. It's Uh, so meta. That's great. (laughs) It's the meta thing. Like, I love the idea of it being meta, but if you're going to go meta, double tap. Yeah, I know. The whole, we knocked the killer down, 
run away. Like, dude, shoot him in the head or something. Or yeah. crush his skull in. Like, finish you the job. Have, you have the killer incapacitated. Finish them off. I just like, recently rewatched all of them. Besides five. I haven't rewatched five. But I've rewatched all of them. I love all these movies, man. I've rewatched the first one, and I was like, man, I just solidified my love for this. It's these movies, the Scream franchise, is a very meta. It's basically a meta Scooby Doo. That's basically what it is. It's an adult meta Scooby Doo. Okay, I can see that. It's the people are getting killed. We gotta find the killer without getting killed ourselves. It's basically the concept of the movie. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I. It is a good movie. I I understand why it's on your list. Why it's your number one. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love the figuring out the who done it with comedy because I, I know it's weird to say with this movie is comedy, but there are scenes where it's like, come on, man, you knew this was comedy. Yeah. You're like, it has to feel like comedy because, like I said. There's a they scene. are the ones who know the tropes, yet ironically fall for the tropes. There's a scene where uh, one of the characters, they're all watching, uh, was it Fr Michael Myers? Which one is that? That's Halloween. Halloween. Yes. They're watching the Halloween movies, and this guy loves horror movies, and he's sitting there talking about, like, oh, come on, man. Don't you know the killer is going to just show up right behind you? You just got to turn around. What are you doing? And, of course, here comes Ghostface right behind him. And he's, I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> you know what's happening. Now, is that the one with the, how was it, Jamie Kennedy? Who's Jamie Kennedy? Is that the actor? Yeah, I think so. I he was know. a comedian that was in the scream and was really into like horror tropes and probably about horror tropes. In the no. first movie, it was the whole thing was the it was the that that scene was inside of a frat house. Oh, so it was in Scream One. Yeah, this this is Scream One. We're talking about Scream One. Well, I thought you were talking about a scene from Scream Two. No, I'm Never talking mind. about a scene from Scream One. Then Scream, I'm talking about the movie and Scream One. Okay, do not spoil this movie because I do want people to watch this. Don't don't reveal who the killer is, but um, I uh, in this movie there's a scene in the first movie where they're talking about the killer's right behind you. What are you doing? And of course the killer's right behind him, kind of thing. It's okay. those type of movies, those type of scenes that I love, and I love the way they kill people in this movie. Like the beginning of this movie is awesome. Like, the way they handled the very intro of the movie was awesome. It's what... Because I didn't know anything about Scream until our buddy Ty made me watch it. And I was like, okay. I've always thought these movies are just those corny slasher movies. So I never really gave it a chance. So the in, the very first scene really hooked me on the franchise. Because it's like, okay, she's talking on the phone. Killer's going to show up out of nowhere. No, we're going to play a game. And I'm like, okay, that's a, that's interesting. And then it was like, basically, they're talking about how, like, oh, but, you know, in every scary movie, this happens, but not with me kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. I just, it, this movie's great. Anybody who likes dumb slasher movie, like, with monsters, usually, like, it's like a, not monsters, like an iconic figure, I should say. You know how, like, Freddy is the Nightmare on Elm Street guy. Jason is the Friday the 13th guy. Ghostface is the Scream guy. Anybody who likes those types of icon movie slasher movies, 
Give Scream a chance. These movies are awesome. Again, they're adult Scooby-Doo's. So yeah, that's my number one. I love this franchise. We'll always love this franchise. I will go to the theaters to see every Scream movie, Nate. All right. Uh, I don't have too much to add about that. Uh, the Scream movies are good. I will say they are good. Uh, the only thing that keeps me from loving them is, like I said, the double tap. But you also need to get reality out of your head because you need to suspense reality. I mean, they're already wanting to kill the ghost face. Why not actually do it? Because then the movie doesn't happen, Nate. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> anyway. What is your so number one? My number one came out in 1999. Oh, boy. Rated PG. Okay. It is two hours and 12 minutes long. Pretty long for a 90s movie. Yes. It is Bicentennial Man. <laughs> Isn't that Robin Williams? Yes. I've never Robin, seen that. I've never seen that movie. I'm not going to lie. You probably are not going to like it. I uh, heard that. That's why I haven't seen this movie. Bicentennial Man was not really loved, honestly, <laughs> by a lot of people. Um, because it was kind of... I don't know if it was the start of Robin Williams' more serious kind of acting, uh, but it definitely showcases his more serious side. It has his humor in it, um, but the majority of the movie is more of just a questioning of life. Uh, I've seen a theme and a pattern with you, Nate. Yes, I love movies that make you question things. Uh, And this one definitely does. It is... The story of a robot named Andrew, uh, played by Robin Williams, and is the setting is like it, it's a futuristic world. He he is a robot that is bought by a family to be their butler of sorts, and he starts to question things like, "Hey, uh, what's that?" Or he shows he starts to show identity. Which kind of concerns some of the family members, especially the mother. Um, the father is rather intrigued by it, actually. He's more interested. But if he listens to his wife and tries to take Andrew back to the uh, company they bought him and get a new one. But he's like, honestly, if you're just going to dismantle him, like you're not going to investigate what's going on with Andrew. I'll take him back home and I'll keep him. Like I don't want to lose this unique individual. Um, and so he takes him back home and he encourages Andrew to explore his creativity, uh, which doesn't make any sense because Andrew is a robot. He shouldn't have creativity. He should have what's programmed into his head. He's not an AI. Um, but that's the movie. He's developing his identity, he develops AI. Eventually he even gets to the point where he becomes artificially human, uh, one might say this is the reverse version of Terminator because <laughs> uh, he does basically become like an exosuit uh, synthetic humanoid being. But instead of killing people, he actually ends up saving lives. He develops a whole bunch of technology to help people who need replacement organs and stuff. And eventually he gets to like it's just such a great movie of identity. I don't want to spoil the ending of it in case anybody does want to watch it. I do highly recommend it. It is a great Robin Williams film. 
Uh, it has Sam Neill in it. He plays Sir. Uh, they never really say the family by their names other than uh, like the granddaughter, I think. There's Little Miss, who is the youngest daughter. She's the one who kind of introduces creativity to Andrew because uh, she has like a little glass figurine that gets broken and Andrew remakes it out of driftwood. And then from that, he starts creating other things out of driftwood. And they're like, oh, well, would you replicate this? And he's like, I didn't. I, I just created it. And they're like, well, that's not possible. You don't have creativity. <laughs> um, and then Sam Neill plays Sir, the father in the family. And he's like, wait, okay, let's see what else he can do. Uh, and then Ma'am, who's the mother of the family, who's played by Wendy Cruson, uh, she's more worried. She's like, what if this thing, like, goes killing us? Like, it, I don't know. What if it doesn't want to be our servant anymore? Uh, and then uh, Haley Eisenberg, who plays the young version of Little Miss, and uh, Embeth Davids, who plays Portia the great-granddaughter of the family who eventually becomes the love interest of Andrew because Andrew, again, has at this point become human. He has, He's fully human. The only thing is the government won't acknowledge his humanity. Uh, and that's Damn government. The, yeah, that's the thing I love about this movie is that it makes you question what makes us human? What makes life? What is an identity and a personality if not creativity if not the things that make us us not gonna lie nate this does not sound like a movie i'd like i know this is not a movie i think you would like it is not one i would recommend for you uh i recommend this for anybody who does enjoy robin williams films and would be willing to give this movie a shot so okay all right. That is my number one pick. All right. Well, that's probably going to wrap it up for the podcast. Uh, we do have some comments, though. You can check out any, you can comment on any of our videos or podcasts or anything like that. Uh, we got Facebook page, Discord, YouTube, all that stuff. It's in the links below. Um, we got one from my from Clarence from my work. He I asked him what his favorite 90s movie was, and he said Weekends at Bernie's. Weekend okay. at Bernie's. I've never seen that movie, but it is a pretty I know, good movie. Actually. I know it's popular. Then on our Facebook page, again, you can check that out, uh, we have Sandy, who says her favorite movie or favorite movies are The Truman Show, Tombstone, Ghost, Toy Story, Star Wars. I'm guessing she meant like the Phantom, oh, Star Wars Phantom Menace, yep, which is surprising. The Matrix, Meet Joe Black, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Ah, oh, Meet Joe Black is also a really good one. I can't believe somebody said The Phantom Menace. That <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs> I mean, Phantom Menace isn't bad. Oh, I like that movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here. I don't hate on that movie at all. I love that movie. But it's just, it's universally hated. That's why I'm surprised somebody said that. Yeah. And then we have the, I, another comment from Tammy. And she said, these are no particular order. The Sixth Sense, Jurassic Park, Galaxy Quest, Ghost, The Truman Show, Terminator 2, and Men in Black. Uh, Galaxy Quest is a hilarious, like, movie. But yeah, I, that is our comments. Anything you like to add, Nate, before we head off? 
Uh, nope, that's about it. All right, I know this is kind of long, but thanks for sticking with us if you listen to the end, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. See ya.